0: It's great to have you with us here tonight. I'm Carol O'Shea, the coordinator of Membership Voice. Welcome to our presentation. We're making a bit of history for Membership Voice tonight, our first ever webinar from New Zealand. Yes, Oh, I didn't realise it
1: was the first one from New
0: Zealand. (laughs) It is the first one from New Zealand. And, of course, I'm delighted to have past District Governor Tanya Lowry here with us to talk about the next stage, where to from here. Just to introduce Tanya a remarkable Rotarian who's been part of Rotary since 2011, absolutely driven to do great things in the world, took on this challenging role of being a Rotary officer, leading her district and the like, and, of course, filled the role last year in 2019-20. Tanya has some great perspectives on Rotary. Rather than me telling you about that, What I might do now is invite Tanya to set the scene for the next stage, where to from here. Over to you past district governor Tanya.
1: Thank you Kiro. So it's it's like a no pressure job now that I'm the first one from New Zealand, I didn't know that. (laughs) So firstly before I start I, I just want to put a little disclaimer out there. So this presentation contains my personal thoughts, views and opinions regarding my journey as a district governor and what may lie ahead for future. There's also a lot of random thoughts about the future that I possibly haven't run past anyone else. So if you're from my district, Dylan, Derek, (laughs) and you hear something you haven't heard before, don't panic too much. I'm just thinking out loud about a few things. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, being district governor is an absolute honor and a privilege, and I was blown away to get the role. So I cried when I was asked and I tried not to cry when I made my farewell speech at changeover. Sort of tried to hold it together as best as I could. But anyway, this journey takes you through many highs and lows and as I'm sure my fellow district governors will understand. And there were quite a few bits that were confrontational to me and and I'll cover those off first because I prefer to finish on the positive notes. I found it hard to understand that not all Rotarians are quite as enthusiastic about all things Rotary as I am. But that's probably because every time I go to district events or training, I'm always surrounded by those who who are keen. And and of course, that's why we're there, because we are enthusiastic. But I'm a firm believer that the more you learn about something, the more you get out, out of it. So that's why I attend everything I possibly can. It was also confronting for me to realise that not all Rotarians behave as you might expect them to, and many do not seem to refer to the four-way test when it comes to some of that behaviour. I've seen bullying to the point where a president resigns, and I've experienced situations where I just wanted to stand up and and scream, you know, can can you not hear yourself? Do you not realise how sexist that remark was, that joke was? Do you really think that a guest at your club wants to hear that sort of thing and and still join? So, you know, those sorts of things were a a little bit eye-opening for me. And there are many who still have a long way to go towards making our clubs feel inclusive and safe. And the sad thing is that that sometimes people don't even realise what it is that they're doing or saying that could be deemed offensive by, by another gender or culture or religion or sexual orientation. And while these people are a minority, it does only take the one bad experience to change a potential new member's mind about joining us and and coming along. Another one of my just personal bugbears really too is meeting for the sake of meeting. And it was something that I always urged clubs to rethink. I had a catch cry of less hooey, more doey, And I believe that the more you are out and about in the community, either doing your own projects or helping other groups, the more likely people are to want to join you. It's very confusing, I feel, for someone to be invited along to a club meeting and speaker to see what Rotary is about, if all you've been doing is telling them how much you enjoy helping others and getting out in your community, and that's why you joined. Because we are a service club and, and not a meeting club. And I know, you know, some people will poo-poo me and say, oh, but if we don't meet, you're destroying the Rotary experience. But to me, you know, if, if that meeting and eating and listening to a speaker each week is the Rotary experience that you're trying to sell, then that is why we have a membership issue. You know, people don't necessarily want to just spend money for the sake of having a meal and listening to a speaker when they are wanting to be involved in a, in a group that is telling them that we're people of action and we help out in our community and, and around the world. Okay, find the notes, but have a drink. <laughs> it's just water, not gin. Okay, so invite potential members along to do to a doing activity, not a meeting. Show them that we're people of action, and that because that is what we claim to be. And I've seen what our clubs can do. I have thoroughly enjoyed working alongside members of clubs at projects and events, and I get just as much fellowship while I'm out working. In fact, probably more than I'm stuck at the top table at a meeting or any other table at a a meeting. And I'm really looking forward to the next few months of our club meetings because our new president has lined up a whole lot of nights where we're out helping and meeting other community groups in their town and their district, as well as doing our own stuff because we've got a book sale coming up, so Thursday nights are going to be dedicated to either planning or publicity or sorting group, um, sorting books, whatever group you want to be involved in. And and that's what I joined for, was the doing stuff, the helping out. And so that sort of thing probably comes through really on my Facebook page where I haven't got a lot of photos that relate to meetings and eating on, on there. But the good thing is that about this journey, there have been... A lot more good things than bad. And quite frankly, we can work on that bad stuff and we can we can sort it out. One of the things I enjoyed most along this journey was meeting all the wonderful people, my fellow district governors in the 2019-20 year 20 year from all around New Zealand, Australia, and the globe. We had a Facebook group set up for us early in the journey, and it was great when you it overseas. I was lucky enough to go to the Toronto International Convention and actually meet some of those people that were my friends virtually on Facebook, and just having that instant connection and feeling like you know someone because we have Rotary in common. The other great thing about this role has been the training journey and the support along the way from Rotary International, from District, from Zone. It's it's just really quite thorough. I mean, anyone who's involved in any training that Rotary does knows that it's all done pretty well. And, and just having that chance to talk openly about issues and situations that come up, you know, you, you often feel like you're on your own in this journey, but you're not. You know, we're probably all, all of us experiencing similar things. And that was really good. And having a trusted team around you at district level was also very important. The district leaders in 9980 are so passionate about Rotary and and what we achieve, and it was just an absolute pleasure to work with them. The chance to get out and about with Rotarians from across the district was invigorating and motivating. We travelled to just different projects and helped out, and we learned so much every time about the club that we were with. And you have that chance to just work alongside the members and you're just talking away, discussing Rotary, talking about their future plans for projects that are coming up, what they've achieved in the past, um, and what they see, you know, going ahead. And, and then that was really amazing. Rotary has also taken me to places that I po- probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. I certainly wouldn't have ridden the Sydney trains for 19-plus hours and stopped at every station on the system in that time raising awareness for the End Polio campaign. I was really proud of our efforts in our district for that. They, I had challenged clubs to to sponsor us to be able to take funds to, to contribute and we ended up with about $26,000 for End Polio now, which was really, really good. I've never been so excited or so tired in my life, but it was one hell of a ride, literally. And we met great people on that train trip. It was, it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So, yeah, I'm not sure I'll go back for a repeat. <laughs> District Governor duties certainly impacted on my work and on our home life. But we had decided that Rotary would be our personal focus for the year. So we filled our weekends with Rotary projects. And very early on in the journey, I realised that working full-time wasn't going to make things easy. Even though I remember at international assembly, Mark Maloney standing up and saying, "You know, this should be something that someone in full time employment can do." You know, it needs to be a role that is flexible. I'm probably really lucky that my supportive employer, Shane Thompson, let me work slightly shorter hours. So I did a seven hour day instead of an eight hour day. But they also let me have any time off that I needed to have off to head away for training for events. And things, so it it was really good. But there were still times when I wondered what the hell I was thinking when I said yes. (laughs) However, I have faced a lot of personal challenges, and I'm truly thankful for the investment that was made in me. And it's because of that investment and my belief and my passion about what Rotary does that I intend to continue giving back to Rotary as much as I possibly can.
2: I'm just going to share my screen for. a minute. So I'm just going to show you a handful
1: of shots from the last couple of years on my Facebook page. This is a blog that I started for my district governor elect year. So the, you'll notice as I scroll through that there really aren't too many photos of meeting type stuff, but plenty of the doing type stuff. And obviously a lot of different rosary t-shirts, because I have quite a few. One of the best things that I did, I feel, was having my car sign written. And having that to drive around the district was, was really good. And so this year, District Governor Dylan Murray has also carried on the trend. And he's got an amazing little Volkswagen Beetle that he's driving around the district in. It's really important that you are doing what you want to do in the way that you want to do it uh, when you're in this sort of role. So for me, I'm a hands-on person and being able to be out and about was really the stuff that was important to me. These are a few shots of a group from Districts 3131 in India who were over in New Zealand just before... Lockdown started to happen really, and they were doing a road, a rally trip all the way around New Zealand, and, and they had some good TV time as well, promoting Rotary on their trip, which was really cool to see. We got to help with a cycle race that went from Tiani to Invercargill. Something else I probably would never have done, helping with a fun day in the park in Invercargill. We just met so many people, all around the place. It was great. Meeting some people from America and Ryla. Ryla was a lot of fun. So, you know, if you're going to take on a role like this, you need to make it enjoyable because otherwise it's just going to be hell, really. So having fun is really a number one priority when you're doing anything in a volunteer role. And it's always just so much fun to just help others out, really. I mean, it's you you get a lot out of being able to do something for other
2: people so that's really my facebook page in a
1: nutshell where to from here where
2: to from here okay yes.
1: so now now i'm the district trainer for district 9980 so this is this is another whole new role for me so i'm learning how to be a trainer which is a bit bizarre but that's all right it's something that i am very passionate about Probably just because I believe that more you know about something, the more you get out of it. So my Rotary moment would have been when we first attended Rotary International Convention in Sydney in 2014. So I'd only joined Rotary in 2011 and really hadn't had a lot of exposure to the international side of things. And Sydney was handy, so we thought we'd better go. thought it would probably be the only one we would get to. So that was where we had our eyes open to the whole big picture and the fact that we were part of this amazingly huge organisation that did so much. And, and, and you know, you, you had that whole friendship full, full of amazing ideas and good doings. And I've always found it a real shame that those exhibitions aren't easily accessible just to the general public, because it's those people that really need to see this stuff they're our potential new members. Have, having Rotarians look at a Hall of Friendship is a bit like selling ice to Eskimos. You know, we, we know all the good stuff we do. We want everyone else to know the good stuff we do. So when it comes to training and that, I just, I have a few ideas. I I, I go to things and I come back enthusiastic and you try and get that message across to your clubs and to other people and, and things. And, and if they haven't been, they kind of don't get what it is that, that, that you're so, you know, pumped up about. So you, you're greeted by this, you know, generally a wall of indifference when you get back to the club and you try and tell them what it is that, that's great and this new idea and all these new things that you, you're brimming over with and, and it ends up with nothing changing. So for me, one of the ideas that I have is that it would be really great to take the training to the clubs so instead of them having to come to a seminar and having a whole lot of speakers is to just create some little bite-sized presentations that can be played at a club night because once again you're, you're taking away that excuse for people to say oh I'm busy that weekend I can't go you know so you're, you're bringing it to a club night that night's already dedicated to Rotary so they can't have that excuse and then you've got the whole club being the same idea and it, opens up the way for discussion and just to to have, you know, that whole chat about this one idea and everyone in the club being able to actually consider it. So that's one thing that I've thought about anyway for training at at this stage. So we'll see how it goes. Hey, Dylan.
0: Super question. Super question there from Dylan about the benefit of hindsight, (laughs) what you would have done differently.
1: (laughs) what I would have done differently. I probably would have done a lot more preparation in my nominee and elect year than what I did. Like I said, I'm more of a, a hands-on person than a meeting person, so I'm not very good at prep work sometimes. Sometimes it's all just about just
2: getting out there and doing it. But
1: possibly not too much. Probably wouldn't have had a pandemic. That really, you know, put a cat amongst the pigeons and... and through us a few issues
2: that we may not have had to deal with. I, uh, just
1: probably maybe had even less time at work and had, you know, six-hour days instead of seven-hour days and, and been able to be on top of things a bit more um, would have probably helped me out a bit. But, you know, I mean, I enjoyed every minute of doing what I did and it was a challenge that has left me with a lot of new skills and feeling like I could
2: just about cope with anything.
0: Looking at that, looking at how you coped, you worked pretty well full-time. How did your clubs respond to dealing with a working district governor who had limitations on her time?
1: Well, I didn't have any negative feedback. Well, none that I heard, but you don't usually hear your negative feedback. They, everyone was always really grateful about me turning up and, and actually helping with stuff. It wasn't that I didn't have a message for all the clubs because I actually prepared a, a video message and sent that out at the start of the year. So that was sort of my official visit. So they had a, a, um, a video that they could play at their club as my speaker as my speaker visit and it just gave everyone the message you know that every everyone then had that message right from the start about what it was that the way i thought and and my vision for for the year so yeah yeah everyone was always really grateful for us coming just and and turning up and while we didn't get to do stuff with all the clubs And we missed out on doing a lot of stuff because everything was cancelled from March onwards and we didn't get to have a conference. I'm not the only district governor who's in that
2: that boat. You know, it it still
1: worked. It worked for me to fit into my lifestyle because we have to remember we're volunteers and we do have to try and fit our real lives and our families around these things too. So, yeah.
0: Mm. It's true, and not everyone remembers that. As often, perhaps, as
2: they should. So, looking at that,
0: you prepared your video message, you sent it out to all your clubs simultaneously at the beginning of your year?
1: Yes, so, I sent it out to everyone, and then I gave them about six weeks to play it at a club, and then I sent it out to every member so that if someone hadn't seen it at the club, they could watch it if they wanted to. <laughs>
0: Wow, so within two months of the beginning of your year, every member in the district had had an individual opportunity to consume your message.
1: They had the opportunity, whether they took it up or not, it's a different matter. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but Rotary is really about opportunity, rather perhaps an obligation, isn't
1: it? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So looking at that, looking at that, you've touched on the impact of COVID nineteen, but. A few district governors in our part of the world were fortunate to be able to get across the line with their conferences before the pandemic struck, but as I understand it, most were impacted by that. Now, my understanding of a, a district conference is it's something that takes years of preparation and you have a team of people working with you. You had to cancel this thing, and obviously but that decision wasn't taken lightly. Tell us about that.
1: We were really fortunate in our district because I had a hands-on conference planned. So we didn't have a lot of really expensive speakers lined up that we'd paid for. We didn't have, and because I live in a small town, things are pretty easy-ozy. So we didn't have to pay a deposit for the venue. We didn't have to pay a deposit for the band or the caterer. We paid the speaker fee for Stephanie Willard, who was coming over from Australia, but that's transferred to Dylan's conference next year. So that's not wasted money or anything. So she's, you'll still get to come to District 9980. And because it was a hands-on conference on the Saturday, we were going to be doing, we were going to be out in the community helping a whole lot of other community groups do projects, and we had. Before lockdown ever became a word that we were all familiar with, between us and the Milton Club, our neighbours 20 minutes up the road who were helping us, they, we had distributed $17,000 worth of money out to various groups to, to do these projects that we were going to help them with. And so those projects are still going to happen and we've been out tree planting with one of them already And we've got other stuff lined up in in the next few months that we're going to do. So it wasn't wasted in that regard. And we were really, really lucky. It was disappointing because I was really looking forward to doing a conference with a difference. And and this isn't an original idea because Deb Gimlet's there. And this is where I got the idea from. was from talking to Deb in Auckland at, at training one time. And... So, yeah, it was disappointing in that regard, but we'll move on and we'll still get to do those projects and, you know, still get out there and, and show the community that we can help. So, yeah.
0: Thanks, Tanya. A good question here from Derek, and he's picked oh. up on your on your more hui and less we uh, It's a great theme. And then, of course, the pandemic came along and clubs became a lot more zoomy or else they went to the hibernation. So the question is, Was that new method of meeting a benefit for our Rotary membership?
1: In in some ways, yes. Um, I I heard of clubs who had more people turning up because they didn't have to go out. And if they were travelling, they could still hook into their, their club meeting and stuff. I think what has been great for Rotary is that it's been that rapid adoption of the technology. Um, just getting people to think a little bit more outside the square, think about the fact that you can have a speaker from the other side of the world or, you know, call into your club and, and speak to you. Having that access to so many more people that we've probably already... all We've all re- always had that access, but we've just never been big, you know, on actually getting on and, and doing that. So I think it's really advanced us in that way. And I just hope that people just don't go back to their old normal, that they keep thinking outside the square and keep thinking about how it is we can do things differently going forward because, I mean, and especially for you know all my fellow Rotarians in Australia, you are still working within a new normal or what appears to not be very normal at the moment, whereas we're really, really fortunate here in that we had changeovers where we could, you know, all meet and and actually hand the chains over and, you know, and and we have normal club meetings now and are all all back together. So, yeah, Zoom certainly has its place, and especially at the moment, to keep people connected.
2: Hmm.
0: Picking up on that theme, some clubs, many clubs, chose to go with Zoom or or equivalent uh, video conferencing options. Some decided to connect via other means, email and the like, and some just went into a form of of hibernation. The net impact of that has been a loss of a a disconnection and a loss of, of some members. And that brings me to the point of the question, which is about struggling clubs. On the one hand, we have a significant pool of dedicated people, and I'm talking about past district governors here, talented, dedicated people who've been been well-trained to do a role and who are very, very capable. On the other hand, we have some struggling clubs about the place, and they typically, when they are struggling, disappear from view a bit, which means that our traditional kind of hierarchical support sometimes misses them. So how can we connect the great opportunity offered by our Rotary offices, with clubs who desperately need, I'm using the term desperately advisedly, but who need something before they're too far down the track?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) So there are a lot of people at district level who who have a lot of resources for those struggling clubs, And, and it's like you say, it's the struggling clubs that often aren't along at the development events and the seminars and things that have have those tools for them that might help them recover. So it's just getting them to know that you've got those district offices there, you've got all that knowledge, and perhaps, like you say, utilising past district governors to get out there and just be there without... Being with, there with your district governor hat on because you're not a district governor anymore, but you've got you know a little bit of background experience about district and international, and, and just being there for them to have a chat to and throw a few ideas around and to see you know what what it is that they're struggling with and and maybe suggest ways that they can look at doing things differently. So yeah, just ha- using past district governors as a source of just being able to get out to those clubs. Um, yeah. Your district officers, your, your membership officers, your public image officer, you know, the foundation, just all those people are always there for clubs to use. And I think probably we don't utilise any of them enough, which would be where I'm coming from with regards to having the little video clips and things that clubs can play and just having that knowledge that they can easily access.
0: Thanks, Tanya. I want to look at a couple of leadership questions here. and the. The obvious one relates to women in rotary. We've made some progress in terms of recruiting more women. I think that the number, which was previously around 21-22%, has increased a bit. And we've and we've continued to get lots of, of good women district governors. But there's the broader issue, obviously, behind that, where we still don't reflect the gender makeup of our general population anywhere in the world. And we still have yet to have a, a woman as Rotary International president. Have you got any thoughts about how we can change that or improve that
1: situation? One of the obstructions I see to, to people being able to get into those roles easily is the fact that you have all these hoops you have to jump through before you get there. And just because you've jumped through all the hoops doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the right person at the, in that position. And I think maybe they need to think a little bit outside the square. And that, I mean, and, and the way I look at it is just from my own time as district governor. Is, and I said right from the start, you know, I don't know everything and I shouldn't be expected to know everything. That's what you have a team for. So why should your international president have to be someone who's jumped through all those hoops so that they get to a stage in their life where they're probably more of a more advanced age? rather than you know having someone with the enthusiasm and the opportunity and, the, and just that, that drive to be out there really selling Rotary and really motivating people. You know, being able to get someone in there doing that instead of having all those steps to go through, I think, is something that they really need to look at. Because otherwise, I mean, you know, women have only been in Rotary since the 80s, and if you've got to go through all those hoops first, by the time they get their first woman president, you know, it's, it's going to be well down the, the track, and, and I really think they need to be doing it now. It's it's something that has been... I mean, but then, you know, you don't want to get the job just because you're a woman. It still has to be the right person for the role, but I really think that they do need to address the, the gender inequality perhaps a little bit more actively.
0: Hmm, it's probably... The observation has been made that there are situations and times where women have to be a little better than the average bloke to to win the job, and perhaps with a trend line that's seen 100% male participation in the top job, it does need some, some form of intervention to make that happen. But I'd like to switch direction for a moment and we'll come back to leadership. Derek's made a great observation about something that I really love to see. Uh, that's that his club has gone from sounds like four, four to five traditional meetings a, a month with a speaker to having just two, as he puts it, meal meetings and the rest away from the table. Now, that's Derek's observation, and that takes me to a question that I was pretty keen to ask. The concept of a multi channel rotary club picks up the idea of having a stream where, which is traditional, where you have meal, meal meetings and the like. But a second, maybe third, where you have at least one official Zoom meeting a month, you shift all of your, say typically, shift all of your board meetings and committee meetings onto Zoom. And so you create this second virtual channel so that people can join your club without being tied to attending time-consuming and sometimes expensive dinner meetings. How would you see that model working in your district?
1: I, th- I think it's a great opportunity, um, especially given that our district is quite well spread out. Um, often it's not easy, especially for rural clubs. Maybe you've got people who are, are busy with farming and, and so on, and, and not every time of the year suits for them to get in for a meeting. But just to be able to still be connected with your club and actually have that interaction with those different formats is, is a great way to, like you say, expand your membership because it'll suit different people to be able to join you know in that format in a zoom format rather than coming along it also helps your older members perhaps if they're feeling unwell or it gets to winter and you know they don't want to be going out and things like that and gives people the opportunity who like you say don't want to pay for a meal every week but they still want to have that connection and and understanding of what's going on in the club so I think having a mix-up of, of having your Zoom meetings, having your, your meal meetings, and then also going out and doing stuff is is a great way to, to make sure that your club is catering for more. And, and, I mean, one of the things we are supposed to be doing is, you know, it's in our strategic plans and increasing our ability to adapt and expanding our reach so we can do both of those things by mixing up our meetings.
0: I have an anonymous question here, but I think it's, it's an observation and it relates to the traditional approach of district governors physically visiting clubs over a, an extended schedule, usually because it takes time to get there, and the observation made by the person posing the, the observation is that your way is very much more
2: attractive. Just to, to pick up the rest
0: of that, and the question I think is that is this: COVID may just have changed that forever. Would you see that as being something that's likely to improve rotary, improve the rotary experience, and attract more people to it by using things like like video communications and the like?
1: Yeah, well, I think COVID is going to make it has made people think really differently about things. I mean, like I say, in New Zealand, we're lucky—we're back to normal, so Dylan can be out visiting the clubs. You know, but there will be district governors around the world who who can't get out and see their clubs at the moment. But it's—it's it's just the thing is that every year you have a new district governor, and every district governor is different, so everyone has the opportunity to do what suits them and what makes it fun for them and how they feel comfortable in the role. So for me, it was doing the hands-on stuff and having a video message. And because I worked full-time, it meant that it gave me more flexibility as well. So I think that it's really important that when you take on the role like this, that you make it suit you. It really does have to work around your life rather than your life having to work around it. And I think that Rotary have to understand that perhaps a little bit more as well to make sure that they get people who are younger and who are in full-time employment and who have different ways of doing things to actually be able to step up and, and do those this, this sort of role in the future.
0: Thanks, Pastor, Governor Tanya. You shared the story of a 29-year-old incoming district governor on your page just recently, which I thought was a fascinating story. So the question here is, obviously we want to see more young people in these roles as district governors. How can we, but looking at this question of young leaders more broadly, how can we encourage more young people into leadership roles such as a district governor and club president and and others? How can we do that? I
1: think Rotary is a is a really good vehicle for giving people that opportunity to try a leadership role. Most clubs are very supportive of presidents and, and you get that training, you you have all those things that you can go to, you've got a lot of good online resources now to, to give you that chance to to learn about being a president or being a secretary or a treasurer as well at club level, being a director of your charitable trust and of your club. And I think we we probably undersell that opportunity to people as one of the reasons that they should join and look at Rotary
2: as, as a way to, to get those skills, those leadership skills. In an environment where you're, you're surrounded by all those supportive
1: people and you've got a lot of experience behind you, you're not being just thrown into a role. And probably that's a good thing about fact that we change our presidents every year is that a lot of clubs you join like a sports club or whatever you don't want to stick your hand up to be president because you might be there for 10 years whereas in Rotary you know you're only going to be there for one and okay it might be a couple of years lead up to the the time that you get to be president but you've got that certainty of of a finite length of time in which you have that leadership role and And that's enough to give you that opportunity to try it and and gain those skills. And so I think that's a a really positive thing about the the annual
2: changeover. Thank you, Tanya.
0: Looking back at this issue that you're passionate about, this, this focus on activity, volunteering and the like, rather than meeting centricity, you obviously promoted that to your clubs as you could prior to COVID-19, which, which of course, came along and then changed everything. Mm-hmm. What sort of response did you get? And how could you see that message, that story, being able to be promoted by others?
1: Really positive response. And we had a lot of positive response for, you know, looking forward to conference and being out and doing things. So that's why it was disappointing that we didn't get to do it. And I think just making people think about the concept of being out and being seen, being those people of action, rather than being hidden behind a door, having a meeting every week, which makes, makes us a little, I think, less accessible to people. Whereas if you're out working in the community, people can rock up to you. If you're wearing your appropriate rotary vest, they know that you're a Rotarian and not just some ragtag group of random people on the side of the road doing something i think that's another thing that we you know when we are out in the community it's it's really important to make sure we do look like we're all part of a group and and wearing the rotary brand with pride i won't i won't do a wardrobe change and into all my other rotary t-shirts but i have a a shirt for every occasion just about so you know It's really important for us to be out there and be seen because unless we're out there being seen, it's hard for people to know what it is that we do and what we achieve.
2: Hmm.
0: Thank you, Tanya. You're currently the Learning and Engagement Director for your district and and you've described the initiatives you have in place to connect those development opportunities with individual Rotarians by essentially delivering it to them. Where else would you like to see initiatives like like well, those kind of delivery initiatives being applied in the broader in the in the broader rotary sphere?
2: I think the online learning centre is a great
1: pool and it's just a matter of encouraging people to actually use that more and and see what's there because there's a lot of amazing resources there it's just and encouraging people to Learn not because they're going to have a role, but just because, just more out of out of interest than having to, you know. It's, because the more you look at some of those things that are there, and learn about different things, like I say, the more you get out of it, and the more you want to be involved. And that's how I think we can help increase our membership engagement too, is is just encouraging people to get on there and try a little bit of something. I don't know how you do that. You just, I mean, I'm just. I just enjoy it because it's there and it gives you more knowledge. But it's just to get the message across to people that the learning and the growing and, and the skills that you get and perhaps perhaps that's another way that we can approach the younger people about joining Rotary is the fact that there, is, there are all these skills that they can learn and develop and, and it doesn't just help you as a Rotarian, it helps you in your work life, it helps you in your personal life and it helps you grow. So having those opportunities to roll stuff out to people, that means they can just go along to a a Rotary Club meeting and have some resources and and just have a go at it within their Rotary time without it impacting on their family time and their work time, I think would be a great thing if we could get more of it.
0: So by delivering more tailored training to individuals and not requiring them perhaps to... You know, to go somewhere to collect their training on a, on a weekend or something, we're actually helping Rotary to fit in with people's busy lives.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so because then you, you're just not impinging on on that precious time, especially for the younger people that you know that might want to join but are time poor. So they can commit a couple of hours to rotary a week, but they don't want to commit weekends perhaps at this stage, but they still want to do some some work or some some learning, then knowing that that your Thursday night is tagged for rotary activities um, is the the buy-in for them really to know that they can make that commitment and it's always on that night and they can actually achieve something in that time. So yeah, it's it's just acknowledging that people have a life and and being able to work around it, really, um, and, and make learning flexible for them.
0: And it's helping Rotary, which at the end of the day is just a really engaging hobby, sort of fit in with the other higher priority demands in life.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: <laughs> well, your district, as, as are many others, is in the process of going through the merger, and mergers tend to um, t- tend to sort of create some negative feelings around the place occasionally, I understand that this merger is going to lead to a super district which is going to, to comprise the entire South Island of New Zealand. Do you see some opportunities in having a, a new super
2: district servicing all the clubs?
1: Look, I think the opportunity that we have in creating a new district is is open for every new thing we want to try um you know it's it's a clean slate it's not one big district gobbling up a little district it's not it's 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 a it's two districts of like sizes coming together you know we're the South Island probably still isn't a big district compared to some of the Australian districts that there are and some of the other districts around the world. But it's a real opportunity for us to look forward and actually have something that's really fit for purpose for the future, to make sure that, it, that what we have as a district is going to be super supportive of our clubs, super flexible as well because obviously the district governor role is going to be something quite different in regards to the fact that you have got the whole South Island to get around if you if you wanted to but you know we we have that chance for all our clubs to be involved in and giving us their ideas and their visions of what they see that district doing and, and what support they need from from that district going forward to help them grow and to help us be stronger really, for, for Rotary in, in the South Island in the future. I have to make sure that I don't say anything wrong here because we've got Gary there who's the district governor from same year as me from the district that we're combining with. So we're going to be district 9999, so we'll still be the last one in the book. So
2: it's quite exciting, really exciting.
0: I think so too. I mean, we're facing the prospect here in Western Australia at some stage, not far downstream. So yes. A final question a final question tanya an observation there from christina about about different communities and clubs on the south island perhaps in relationship to that but a broader question what do you see as a past district governor coming into this with a lot of enthusiasm and, and knowledge knowledge from the role what do you see as the really pivotal issues that we need to address as we move through the rest of 2020 and
1: into 2021. Oh. <laughs> Crumbs, no pressure, Dylan. Put your hand <laughs> <team> down. <laughs> the pivotal issues, I think, going forward, just to make sure that our clubs don't lose all the gains that. The, and I know that the pandemic is a bad thing, and they has been very disruptive, but. Disruption isn't always a bad thing. It, it can be something that encourages you to think outside the square and to think about how things should be going forward. You know, to to reconsider the things that we perhaps didn't miss so much when we were in lockdown. Did we miss having to pay for a meal every week? Did we miss having to pay for fines? Did we miss having to pay for a, a drink? You know, if we were Zoom meeting with our clubs, we still got to talk to our mates. So. You know, you weren't missing the fellowship so much, but you were just eliminating some of the unnecessary things. And given the hard times that we've got coming, you know, there's still a lot to get through in the next few months, the next few years, as the world recovers from this. And I think we have to be really conscious of people's differing financial situations going forward, people's, you know the stress, the the mental health issues that there have been from this pandemic and just make sure that we don't pressure members to to always be coming along to a meal and, and so forth. You know, have that option to do the Zoom meeting, have the option to turn up without having the meal and without making people feel awkward about it. But just having that flexibility going forward, I think. And, and also, for me, I... Well, one of the discussions that came up a lot over lockdown was, you know, the, the lost opportunities for clubs for fundraising. You know, they, they'd lost income because they couldn't hold certain events and things. And to me, going forward, I'd like to think that, that Rotary aren't seen as the organisation that's out there with their hand out all the time, asking people for, for funds, but just being actually on the ground and, and helping other community organisations just by being an extra pair of hands. Um, okay, we can still provide support, but if, if our funds have been dwindled because we haven't had all the, all the fundraising events that we normally would have had, just being a little bit smarter perhaps about where we put our funds, but but just being out there and being seen to be helping, I think, is going to be a really big thing for us. To be be that person, that those people of action, helping others without always having a handout asking for, for financial contributions.
0: Being people of action ready to serve a community that's under a bit of, under a bit of pressure.
2: Yep. Fantastic.
0: Kenya? I'm looking at the, at the chat line. We appear to be out of questions. Thank you for doing a phenomenal job. But just one last thing. Would you like to have a few words just, just to finish off, perhaps just to sum up? You've done a great job this afternoon, thank you. But would you like to just sum up?
1: Oh, just sum up. Just sum up. Um, <laughs> so much to sum up. Um, look, being a district governor it
2: was one heck of a journey.
1: It was. It was challenging, and it was exciting, and it was just a real experience that I never ever thought when I joined Rotary that I would have. I love what Rotary does and its values and, and what, what we stand for. And going forward, I will just always be one of those people that is out there shouting about what we do and, and talking about how wonderful we are and really wishing that more people were there doing it with us because the world needs more Rotarians going forward. There are a lot of people out there who are going to need a lot of help. and. And we are all those sorts of people. So it's finding those people and getting them to come and join us and, and help them and help, help them be part of the Rosary Superheroes of this world. So,
0: people of action.
1: Yeah, people of action. Everyone needs to just get out there and, and do it.
0: <laughs> well, there we go. That's a that's a glowing recommendation uh, Dylan has just said he's got a swag of notes from what you've said <laughs> from what you've said this afternoon this evening depending where we are what I'd like to do now folks <laughs> what I'd like to do now is ask everyone is ask everyone to un- to unmute I'd like everyone please to join me in a round of applause for past district governor to to town <clears throat>